Hello, hello, and welcome to Out of the Box Judaism, a podcast for unpacking Jewish tradition and heritage and finding the gems in there that are meaningful to you today. I'm Esther Goldenberg, a life and spirituality coach, author, educator, and mom to two great kids who fill my life with love and laundry and inspire me to see miracles every day. I created this podcast to help shine the light on the wisdom, power, and connection that I see in Jewish traditions and customs, and of course, the Torah. That said, all belief systems are welcome here, Jewish and otherwise. And if Jewish, it is my belief that you can do Judaism exactly the way that is right for you, in your own ever-evolving life and journey, which is exactly what I do. In these episodes, I share with you some of what Judaism has to offer me, and my wish for you is that you will find the gems that it has for you. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 19 of the Out of the Box Judaism podcast. This podcast, episode number 19, is being released on April 19th. It is also the 19th day of the Omer. The Omer is the period of time when we count the days between Passover and Shavuot. Shavuot tends to be one of those holidays that a lot of people haven't heard of. I think I first heard about it when I spent my junior year abroad in Israel. You hear about all the holidays in Israel. It's ironic because Shavuot really is a big deal as far as holidays go. It's the celebration of receiving the Ten Commandments. So the Omer is the counting of the days between the Exodus and the Revelation at Sinai. This year I've been lucky enough to take a group of seekers on a virtual journey through the Omer. What that means is that we've been counting the days together and exploring different attributes each week as we go. We've also been looking at interesting or special things about each number as we come to it that day. So today, since it's the 19th episode and also the 19th day of the Omer, I want to begin by sharing some information about the number 19. The number 19 is made up of the first single digit, 1, of course, and the last single digit, 9, making it a number of completions from beginning to end. At the same time, 19 appears to be incomplete, It is so close to 20, but not quite there. The number 19 can be a great teacher for avoiding the monkey mind obsession on one missing thing. When you find yourself saying, if only I had X, I'd be happy, or if only this happened, it would be enough. That's the monkey mind, focusing on that one missing thing. You can catch it in action and switch it around by remembering and listing 19 things that are enough in your life. List 19 things that are okay, or even good, right now. Don't let that missing thing make you miss everything that's here. In fact, with 19, you've already reached completion. So that's just a little piece of the Omer journey. If you're interested in learning more, you can read more about it at outoftheboxjudaism.com slash omer, which is spelled O-M-E-R, or just go to outoftheboxjudaism.com and you'll see the Omer tab there. If it looks like something you might want to do, you can sign up there to get the news when the next journey begins this summer. And just as a reminder, this is a virtual trip from Egypt to Mount Sinai. 
a real trip from your personal exodus from constricting spaces to openness, but all done by email with readings and meditations and videos and stories, and no trips into the actual desert. Okay, now I want to get into the heart of this episode, which is the topic of morning rituals. For the past few weeks, I've been talking about rituals as we read through the book of Leviticus. Loss and mourning is an inevitable part of life. Everyone experiences it at some time, and in Judaism, in all religions, there are some rituals around mourning. Today's podcast is about Jewish mourning rituals, but mostly it's about my friend, Kate Fields Bartolotta, who passed away earlier this week. Kate was around my age, a little bit younger actually, a mother of young children, a writer, an entrepreneur, a cancer survivor, and a warm and beautiful person. She was going to be a guest on this podcast later this year to talk about writing. Instead, I'm here today talking about her. I found out that Kate died when a mutual Facebook friend posted about her own grief over this loss. It was 10 p.m. this past Saturday night. I haven't been using Facebook much. I just checked it for a minute, and it was the first post I saw. My initial response was disbelief and shock. Kate and I were in a small group of entrepreneurs together. It was something that I put together a few months ago, actually, because being an entrepreneur, well, a solopreneur, really, can be lonely at times. I love the clients I work with, but working for myself, I lack that water cooler time that people who work in an office have. There are no check-ins or updates. There's no small talk or brainstorming or fetching or felling. No office camaraderie. Of course, there are a lot of wonderful things about being an entrepreneur, but this was definitely missing. So I invited four women from around the world, one from the west coast of the U.S., one from Canada, one from Israel, and Kate from Connecticut, to be a part of what we called the co-workers group. I chose them because I thought of all the amazing women entrepreneurs who I've met online. If I could create a group of co-workers for myself, people who I wanted to share those moments with, who would it be? Kate and I had already had the chance to get to know each other through Facebook groups, through reading each other's books, through emails, and by following each other online, reading and appreciating each other's writing. Not exactly friends, but a mutual admiration. And so it was because of this co-workers group that I knew a few weeks ago that her cold had turned into pneumonia and that she was in the hospital. She'd had cancer a couple of years ago, and pneumonia can be especially serious for someone with a compromised immune system. Kate was a big believer in self-care, and she said she was taking time to take care of herself. And luckily, she was on the mend. Only it didn't turn out that way. And on Saturday night, I learned on Facebook that she'd passed away that morning. What a shock. And to add to it was the feeling that I might have not known If I hadn't seen that one post? As it happens, Kate and I traveled in some of the same online circles, and on Sunday I saw another post and another, all of us sharing our shock and sorrow. Facebook is a funny place. It's relatively new, and as much time as some of us spend there, it still feels like it's its own kind of world, connected but different from the rest of the world. Here was this friend of mine, But she was a Facebook friend. I've never shared the same breathing space as Kate, but we've had face-to-face online coworker meetings and lots of exchanges online and 
Here I was learning of her death online. New rituals are popping up because we're in new situations. On Kate's Facebook page, her parents left a note announcing their loss and sorrow, and it has been followed by dozens and dozens of public messages, people sharing their experiences with Kate, their memories, their admiration, their sadness at her loss. Kate's parents are starting a college fund for Kate's kids from donations that friends of Kate's are asking to make. We want to do something. That is what happens when we lose someone we love, isn't it? We want to do something. Facebook has created a space for people to do things together. We can read more about our friends from people we've never met. We can join virtual hands and say, I'm grieving too. A few years ago, Kate discovered Jewish ancestry that she didn't know about. I always felt so honored that one of the ways she chose to learn more about this part of her heritage was by reading what I write about the weekly Torah portions. She and I definitely shared an attitude of however you do things, whatever is meaningful to you is a legitimate and beautiful way to celebrate and be. I know that she used her exploration of her newly found Jewish heritage as a gateway for bringing even more joy into her children's lives with new celebrations in addition to the ones that they already cherished. Jewish tradition says that mourning is something to do in groups. Mourning is for the living, and the living needs support in times of loss. It's customary for the family to sit shiva for a week. After the funeral, they generally return home and stay there for a week. Others bring food, others bring comfort, as much as can be brought. And it is traditional to recite the mourner's Kaddish. This is a prayer recited by the family of the deceased every day for a year. And the kicker is that in order to recite this, you're supposed to be in a minion. A minion is a quorum of ten. Different people do this differently. Some say ten men, some say ten Jews, some say ten. But the point is, this is a time when you might not readily want to be with others, yet a time when you might need the support of others more than usual. So go out, leave your hovel, and get amongst ten others, at least, to receive support. I'm not going to do things the traditional way today. According to custom, I would not recite Mourner's Kaddish for Kate. She wasn't a close relative of mine, not even family. There are many who hold that you can say Mourner's Kaddish for anyone you are grieving the loss of. Also, according to tradition, it is customary to stand if you're reciting Mourner's Kaddish. I'm going to recite it now for Kate, but while sitting, because it is my minhag, my custom, not to stand for Mourner's Kaddish while my parents are still living, which, thankfully, they are. So even if I were in synagogue, when mourners' Kaddish comes in the service, the mourners stand, and some people stand with them in solidarity if they choose. Others remain seated. So this will be an out-of-the-box recitation of mourners' Kaddish, but it is what feels right to me, and ultimately every person, when they experience loss, needs to experience that in the way that feels right to them, that feels healing to them. Both ancient traditional Judaism and now pop-up Facebook actions are sending the same message. Healing comes from sharing, from mourning together. Feel free to join me now as I recite the Mourner's Kaddish for Kate. Maybe for someone you are remembering at this time, maybe for Kate, or maybe not at all. There are times in this prayer when, you're, when you'll hear Amen, 
And if you feel comfortable, you can add your Amen there. As I say this prayer in Kate's memory, I want to point out that there is nothing in these ancient Aramaic words that's about loss or sorrow. It's a prayer in praise of God. The word God, the concept of God, means different things to different people. But one way to look at this is that it's a prayer about hope and peace and happiness, even in this difficult time. And that is very much a message that I know Kate would stand behind. Kate's second book is called Choose Joy. And as you can imagine, it's about choosing joy, when sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's harder. With many thanks to Kate, having read her book and having had the pleasure of knowing her, I make an effort to choose joy even now. Yitkadal v'yitkadash me'raba Be'alma divrach hirutei v'yamlich machutei Be'chayachon u'v'yomechon u'v'chayed chol b'yit Yisrael Ba'agala u'v'zman kariv v'imru, amen. Yehesh me'raba m'varach le'olam u'me'omaya יתברך וישתבח ויתפאר ויתרומם ויתנשא ויתדר ויתעלה ויתעלה על שמי דקודשה ולכרוך. לאלה מנקול ברכתה ושירתה, תוש ברכתה ונחמתה, דאמירן בעמה ואמרו אמן. יהא שלמה רבה מן שמיא וחיים עלינו וירקו ישראל ואמרו אמן. עושה שלום במרומיו הוא יעשה שלום עלינו ועל כל ישראל ועל כל יושבי תבל ואמרו אמן. Thank you for being with me, for being a part of my community as I mourn the loss of Kate Fields Bartolotta. Kate was going to be a guest on this podcast later this year and of course that's not going to happen now. But you can still be one of the lucky people who gets to know her through her books. I encourage you to go to Amazon and read Choose Joy. If you're interested in choosing joy and other positive ways to experience the world around you, remember to visit outoftheboxjudaism.com slash omer to find out more about coming on the next Omer journey where we explore loving kindness, strength, beauty, endurance, splendor, intimacy, and leadership as paths towards our more expanded selves. You've been listening to the Out of the Box Judaism podcast. Take a moment to subscribe so that you never accidentally miss an episode. If you have questions or comments, you can always reach me at esther at outoftheboxjudaism.com. Thanks for listening.